Men, you may be seated. I love that last song, Hallelujah for the Cross. And this may be your first time with us today, and and all this may be very new to you. And and you may have had some thoughts go through your mind of one, how do these people sing these songs? Maybe you've encountered a believer who's in encountered a difficult time and you've just wondered how how did they get through that time how did they get through that adversity and it's because of the cross that's why we sing that's why we that's why we meet as a church that's why we do the things we do and it's because of the cross and it's because Jesus Christ died on a cross for us well we were at our very worst scripture says when we were at our very worst when we were sinners at our very worst God showed his love to us that he sent his son to die on a cross for us. Taking our penalty of sin and taking our, our junk and our issues and he died for us, making it possible to have a relationship with the Father. And that's why we sing. That's why we praise. That's why we meet. That's why we do the things that we do as believers is because of the cross. And I'm so thankful for the cross today. And, and my hope is, even if this is your first time or whether you're here each and every Sunday with us, if you've never encountered the cross, my prayer is that you would find that today. That you would find Jesus today. And that you would understand that he is madly in love with you. Scripture talks about how God pursues after us, how he chases after us. Remember as a kid playing the game of chase, right? And sometimes you hated when the fastest kid was the one who was chasing because you knew you were going to get caught, right? But every once in a while, you'd be that fast kid and nobody could catch you. The Bible talks about how God pursues us. He chases after us. Even when we try to run and we try to hide and we try to do everything to avoid him, he is constantly pursuing us, constantly chasing after us. So praise the Lord for that. It's 2020. How many of you have already made some commitments for this year? You've made some commitments. You've made some resolutions. Raise your hand high. Be proud that you have made those commitments. Now, if you've already broken some of those commitments, raise your hand high, okay? <laughs> right? That's, that's what happens, right? Every, every December 31st, we begin to think and we look back on the year prior and we think, okay, these are some things I'm going to do different this year. And we make commitments, we make resolutions, we set goals, and then typically January 2nd we forget about what we had talked about December 31st, and sometimes we, we break those goals and then we wind up discouraged. So we understand that pattern. So maybe some of you have made some goals this year. Maybe some of your goals is to get healthy. You're just like, I'm going to get healthy this year. Okay, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to exercise more, I'm going to do whatever it is, and then... You drove by McDonald's and you're like, oh, but a double cheeseburger sounds so good. <laughs> Maybe your commitment was to read the Bible more. You're saying, you know what? I, I had someone tell me my commitment this year is to read the Bible cover to cover, to read the whole Bible in a year. They said, I've never done that. Been in faith a long time, but I've never done that. That's a great goal. And there are some Bible plans you can get that will kind of lead you through that type of goal. Maybe your goal was to read the Bible more. Maybe your goal was to attend church. Maybe, and maybe that's why you're here today. You're like, you know what? Our goal as a family this year is we're going to start going to church. We're going to find a church that we like, we can get involved in. We're going to start going to church. 
Maybe your goal was to be a better husband, to be a better father, to be a better mother, to be a better wife. Whatever your goal was, we've all made goals. But most of us, I would say, most of us probably don't set out giving goals. Right? Most of us don't think, man, I want to give away this much money this year. That's typically not one of our goals. That's typically not the first thing that enters my, our mind, right? Most time it's like, I want to make more money this year than I did last year. It's not, I want to give money away. Most of us don't think that way. And as I talk to people, a lot of people say they struggle with this idea of setting a giving goal or even with giving in general because this all often comes up. If I had more, I would give more, right? If, if I had it, I would give it. I hear that often. And I started to think about that because, I mean, that's a very valid argument. But then I started to think about my life and I started thinking about the life of people that I interact with on a daily basis. And I realized how blessed I really am. And I think all of you would say the same thing. Everybody in this room is rich by most of the world's standards. Now, most of us say, hold on, I don't feel rich. Most of us think about it this way. Most of you woke up this morning in your own bed in a climate-controlled room, right? Most of you maybe even had, in my bedroom, we have two fans going. It doesn't matter if it's 20 degrees outside, there's two fans going in my room. I freeze my wife out, but I like it really, really cold. So you woke up this morning in your own bed to a climate-controlled room. You then went to your bathroom. You turned a little knob and hot water came out instantly. You took a shower, you brushed your teeth, you then went into your closet and sorted through all of your clothes to figure out what you wanted to wear, and maybe you took out several things, and it's like, no, I don't want to wear this, I don't want to wear this, I don't. and finally you found the right outfit, you looked in the mirror, you're like, I look good, I can go to, I can go to church this way, right? <laughs> then you got in your car, and you turned on to any radio station of your choosing, and you begin to drive. Maybe you passed a, a coffee shop or a donut shop and you're like, I'm hungry or I'm in desperate need of coffee because I stayed up too late. So you pull in, you get yourself a coffee, you get yourself a donut, you get yourself a soda, a tea, whatever it is. Then you come up and you find a parking spot at church and you walk into a church that's climate controlled. And it's not too hot, it's not too cold. Some of you may say different, because I see some of you are fanning, some of you are doing this, okay? But you walk into a, an area that's climate controlled. You sit through a church service, and after church, you walk out with your family and you argue, I mean, decide on where you want to go eat. <laughs> then you go to your restaurant of your choosing. You sit down, you order your food. And you probably don't eat it all, so you take some of it home in a little plastic doggy bag and... When you get home, you put it in your refrigerator, you shut the door, and then you forget about it, right? Mm -hmm. And then you'd like, two or three days later, you're like, oh, there's my leftover fajitas. I really wish I would have ate those yesterday, okay? And then you go sit down on your couch, you turn on your TV, you choose from a hundred different channels, or you pop in Netflix, and you choose from a, thousands of different movies, and then you fall asleep on your couch, and... You wake up, it's 8 o'clock at night, and you realize I've slept the entire afternoon. Then you go upstairs, and you go to bed, and you repeat that cycle over and over again, right? 
if you think about it in that regard, we are so blessed, aren't we? I mean, really. The fact that we have a roof over our head, the fact that we have a vehicle, the fact that we have money in our bank or in our wallet to be able to go and buy a coffee, to buy a donut, whatever it is. We, we're truly, truly a blessed people. But so most of us say, I'd give if I could. Because we just don't feel like, we don't feel like we have it to give at the end of the day. We don't feel like we have enough to give. And I think what we find ourselves is we kind of get wrapped up in this kind of scarcity mindset. Let me kind of explain this. What happens for most of us is this. God supplies finances for us. Okay, he supplies those finances for us through our paychecks. Yes, you worked for those paychecks. I understand that. But at the end of the day, it was God who gave you the ability to get that job and the ability to work. So God has supplied us with finances. Okay, at the beginning of the month, however you get paid, God supplies us with finances. We're happy. And the first thing we do is we consume those finances, don't we? We consume those finances. And most of us consume those finances until there's none left. And then we get toward the end of the month or toward the end of the two weeks and we stop and we think, I don't have anything left. And then we start to experience that idea that we feel like we're lacking now in finances. So then fear sets in. And then we start that cycle all over again once we get paid. God supplies, we consume, we lack, and then we fear. God supplies, we consume, we lack, and then we fear, and it just goes over and over and over again. Most of us refer to this as paycheck to paycheck, right? Most of us have probably been there at some point. We're literally, we're kind of, we're going paycheck to paycheck, and we're hoping that the, maybe the direct deposit comes a day earlier than what it's supposed to come to kind of get us through to the next one, and, and that's typically the lifestyle that we live. And that is that scarcity mindset. But God truly wants us to live with this idea of generosity. Now, that may seem difficult if you're thinking, well, I don't have anything to give. How can I be generous? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 through 9. I love how Paul puts this. says, Each of you should give whatever you decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Look at verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Verse 9. As it is written, they have fearly scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. I love these verses because it really kind of blows this scarcity mindset. It just kind of blows it out of the water. The first thing it says that each of you should decide in your hearts what you want to give. That's what Paul said. Paul said, hey, each of you needs to decide in your own hearts. Now notice when he says each of you, he didn't leave anybody out, right? He's not talking just to people who would claim to be rich. He's not talking to a middle class. He's not talking to a lower class. He says, each of you should in your own hearts decide what you want to give. So no one is exempt. Paul includes everybody here. And then it says, but when you do it, don't do it reluctantly or don't do it under compulsion. Don't do it out of pressure. Okay, Paul says, listen, if you're giving out of pressure, just don't give. I don't want you to give that way. He then goes on to say, because God loves a cheerful giver. 
He's like, each of you should decide in your own hearts what you're going to give. But don't give out of pressure. Don't give reluctantly. Just give out of a cheerful heart. But then he says this, and this is what I love. He says, when we do this, we will have all that we need. He says, when you give, when you give out of a cheerful heart, when you give out of a good place, not giving reluctantly, not giving under compulsion, he says, when you give, you will truly have all that you need. Now, let's stop there for a moment. That doesn't mean we'll have all that we want, right? There's a difference between wants and needs. But God says, if you give, I will supply all of your needs. In other words, I will take care of you. So the first fill in there, I want to encourage you to write this down. When we give generously, God multiplies abundantly. When we give generously, God multiplies abundantly. It's your first fill in there. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 through 11. It says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So it says, as we give, God multiplies abundantly. And he does this, why? So we can be more generous. God says, when you give, I'm going to take what you give and I'm going to multiply it. Or in other words, I'm going to supply your needs. I'm going to provide for you and I'm going to do this so one, you can see that you can trust me. And two, that you can see that my way of doing finances work. But three, ultimately, so you can be more generous in your giving. See, when we give, God multiplies. There's a saying that says this, you can never outgive God. That was true back in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and it's still true today. As we decide to give generously, as we decide to give back to God what is rightfully His to begin with, God multiplies, and He does it in a very abundant way. Another thing for you to write down in your notes, tithing breaks a cycle of scarcity and starts a new cycle of generosity. We talked about that cycle of scarcity or that scarcity mindset of God supplies, we consume, we then lack, and then we fear, and then we start that whole cycle over again. We talked about how God wants us to be in a cycle or in a mindset of generosity, and that goes something like this. God supplies. You see, it still always starts with God. God supplies. But instead of the first thing we do is consuming, the first thing we would do after God supplies is we would give back to God. And then God multiplies, our faith grows, and we give more. Notice what isn't in that cycle. Fear is not in there. Lack's not in there. God supplies. We give back to him first. He then multiplies, and then our faith grows. Because we're like, God took care of us. It didn't make sense to me, but God took care of us. And then as our faith grows, we have more faith then to give more. And that cycle continues. In churches, you hear a lot about tithing. You hear a lot about giving. Tithing is the biblical practice of giving your first 10% back to God. Okay, so if you make $3,000 in a month, tithing would be $300 that month. Okay, that's how, that's what tithing is. That's giving your first 10% back to God. So, the question I've been asked a lot by people is, 
Why do I tithe? What does tithing even do? Where does my money even go? All those sorts of questions. So let me see if I can answer a few of those. Number one, tithing teaches us to put God first. Tithing teaches us to put God first. Tithing teaches us to put him first. In order to do this, it means that we we'll probably may need to rearrange some things in our life. It means we may need to make some changes. It means we may have to step out on faith. I had someone come to me say, you know what? I give only when I have enough at the end of the month. I wait until I pay all my bills, and when I have enough, that's, that's when I give. I don't give at the very first. I just wait till the last, and, and that's when I give. And as I begin to think about that, there's, there's a couple issues with that. One is it takes faith out of the equation, right? Because it takes faith out of the equation altogether. Because you're saying, if I have it, I'll give it. So at the end of the month, if it looks like I have it in my checking account, then I'll give. If I don't, then I don't give. So it kind of takes faith out of the equation. Um, but also, beyond just taking faith out of the equation, it gets us trapped in that scarcity cycle. If God supplies, we consume, and we lack, then we fear. And because of the fear of there not being enough, we don't end up giving. Because, let's be honest, technically for most of us, it's probably not going to be there at the end of the month anyway. For most of us. Because most of us are trapped in that scarcity mindset, that scarcity cycle. What I've noticed in my own life is my checkbook reveals a lot about my priorities. If I'm being very honest. My checkbook, I said checkbook. Most of anybody below the age of 20 has no idea what a checkbook is. <laughs> so I've dated myself a little bit, okay? A checkbook is these crazy things. It's a little sheet of paper you kind of fill out, and then that symbolizes money in a way. And you, that's how all of us old people used to have to pay our bills all the time, okay? You'd have to get the check and write a check for it and put it in the mail and put a stamp on it. There are real stamps and everything. It's crazy. <laughs> Most everything is online now. But I see that my checkbook reveals a lot about my priorities. My bank statement reveals where God falls on my priority list. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said it very pointed in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Let that sink in for a moment. Jesus himself said where your treasure is, where your money is, where you spend your money, there your heart will also be. Then he goes on to say, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? See, most of us love that verse, don't worry about your life. Don't worry. And that's a lot of where we take that verse, but if we really read that verse in context, you've got to read it in context with what he just said, where he just talked about being giving and he just talked about where your heart is is where your treasure is where your heart will also be and then he went on to say that you can't serve both God and money and then he says so don't worry about your life don't worry about clothing don't worry about food but look what he says in verse 26 look at the birds of the air they do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Jesus says, where we put our money reveals our heart. 
He then says, stop worrying about these things, food, drink, clothes. And essentially he says, won't I provide for you? He uses the birds as an example. And he basically says, look at birds. What do they do other than fly? He's like, they don't go to a job every day. They don't save up. He goes, but yet your heavenly father provides for them. Then he goes on to say, are you not much more valuable than those birds? Do you not mean more to your heavenly father than those birds? So let me kind of translate this and put this in, in words for us today. Jesus says, give, give to me first. Allow me to provide for the things that you need. Don't I take care of animals? Don't I take care of birds? Are you not much more valuable than they? If you've ever wondered your, how valuable are, Jesus showed us how valuable we were through the cross. See, Jesus didn't die for the birds. He died for us. So he says, if I take care of the birds and they do nothing, how much more valuable are you? Then he goes on to say several verses later in verse 33. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus says, put me first. Put me first in everything, in everything about your life. The way that you live your life, the way you parent, put me first. The way you are as a spouse, put me first. The way you are as a worker at your job, put me first. The way you interact with people inside your community, put me first. The way you interact with your finances, put me first. And he says, and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, you put me first and I'll provide, I will take care of you. When we put God first, he steps up and he supplies. Number two, tithing builds our faith. Tithing builds our faith. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And I love this phrase. It says, Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. God says, Test me in this. In other words, he says this, Try it out and see if it works. It's almost like God is saying, Here's a money back guarantee. Trust me with your finances. Give to me first. Test me in this and just see if I don't bless you. Test me. Try me. In other words, God says, just give it a shot. What do you have to lose? Give it a shot and see if I don't come through. See if I don't supply. Now, I understand this. It's going to take faith to do this. It takes faith. Absolutely, it's going to take some faith for us to step out. But God says, test me in this. I heard a pastor friend say it this way. 90% with God's blessing goes further than 100% without God's blessing. 90% with God's blessing goes a lot further than 100% without his blessings will. And I really believe that. I believe that God can do more with 90% than what we can do with 100%. Why? Because God, he multiplies things. God, as it says, owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So that's why he says, test me in this and see if you can outgive me. That's what God says. Test me and see if you can outgive me. Just test me. Try me. <laughs> now, this doesn't mean if you tithe next week for the first time, you're going to get a check in the mail for a million dollars. 
All right? That's not what I'm selling. That's not what we're talking about here. But I do believe this. As you give, God supplies. And he does this in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's financial. I'll never forget the story if someone came up and said, you know what? I tithe for the first time. And I tithed to the penny of what my tithe was supposed to be. And then I got a notice that my mortgage went down that amount every month. That's God's provision. I've seen it in our own life. As I was a college student, me and Becca were married. And finances were, to say the least, very tight. And I remember sitting down, and this was when we had to actually write checks. Sitting down at the beginning of the month writing out my tithe check and knowing I had a tuition bill due and knowing if I write this tithe check I'm not going to be able to meet all my tuition it's just not going to happen so I'm in my mind thinking how I'm going to go up to the registrar and explain and see if they can give me an extension all these things wrote the tithe check put in the offering plate and if I would like to say that I gave it in complete faith and I was like the Lord's just going to bless but I was scared to death Two days later, my grandfather shows up at our apartment, knocks on the door, and he hands me a check. He says, son, God told me to give this to you. I don't know why, but he told me to give you this amount. It was the exact amount I needed to make my tuition payment. To the penny. God supplies. Our last Christmas we spent in Illinois, before we left, I looked and noticed the tires on our van were really, really bad. So we're about to make a 12 or 13 hour drive. I was like, we got to get new tires. So I took it into the tire shop and got a quote. and It's going to be about $550. I was like, oh boy, fantastic. Put it in there, went to pick it up a little bit later that day. Pulled out my debit card to pay. And he's like, it's already been taken care of. Somebody came in here and paid for it already. I was like, are you kidding? There's no, someone, someone took care of it already. That's awesome. When we moved here, I received a check in the mail from the electric company back in Illinois because we overpaid our electric account. I didn't know we'd overpaid it. We were on the average billing and somehow the averages got off, I guess. I don't know. All I know is this, is as you put God first, God supplies. It may be as simple as that tank of gas goes a little further than what you expected it to go. It may be as simple as the person in front of you in line at McDonald's pays for your food. And you didn't expect that. As we give, as we put God first, God always supplies. Now I understand in the beginning it's going to be difficult. Because you haven't seen that provision yet. You haven't seen God come through for you in a pinch. You haven't seen that yet, so it's going to be difficult. It'll be no different than you going to the gym and your trainer looked at you and you've never stepped foot in a gym and it says, give me 40 push-ups right now. You may get one out and stop for some oxygen, right? You know? But as you keep going back, as you keep doing it, as you keep pushing through it, eventually you'll get to the 40. And you'll get to the 40 and you'll feel good and you'll be like, you know what, how many more do you want me to do? That's how it works with God in our giving. As we give, even though at first it may feel a little painful and we may think like, ah, God, I'm really going to need you to come through for me here. And God says, test me. Just watch. And God supplies. 
And we're saying, okay, God, I'm going to try this giving thing one more time. God says, okay, test me. Just watch. Watch what I'm going to do. And then all of a sudden we get to a point where we're just like, we're completely stepping out of faith because, you know, God has come through. Every time that I've taken a step of faith, God has come through and he's caught me. As I've said this over and over again, God has never dropped one of his children, right? And he's not going to start with you. As kids step up and say, Dad, catch me. And they take that leap of faith because they just really believe Dad's going to catch them. God has never dropped one of his kids. And he's not going to start with you. God will supply. God will step up. As I said this earlier, everything we have, if we're being very honest, belongs to God anyway. Everything we have belongs to God. He's the one who gave us the ability to work. He's the one who gave us the ability to, own, to make this money, to have the living that we do. He's the one who gave us his ability. It all belongs to him. So actually what we're doing is just giving back to him what already is rightfully his. See, I think we have to keep in mind that the finances that we have, we're purely managers of them. That's what we are. Because it all belongs to God. We're managers. Okay, we're stewards of what God has given us. Number three, tithing provides for the work of God's church. To me, this is the most exciting one. Tithing provides for the work that God is doing. When we give, we're able to get involved with what God is doing. What he's doing... When you give here at Northside, you're able to get involved with what he's doing at this church, what he's doing here in Ark City. I started to think back over the last three years of some of the highlights. <laughs> in three years, we've seen 67 people accept Christ as their Savior. Unbelievable. We've seen 44 people get baptized. Unreal. We've seen 47 people join a church. God is moving. God is doing big things. Beyond that, our ladies' if gathering that started up two years ago. Last year, they had over 100. Ladies, if you haven't signed up for if, for if, excuse me, for if. If you haven't signed up for if, see my wife, see Shannon. They can get you signed up. If is an amazing ladies' conference. I was so impressed by what happened at if last year and the next steps that our ladies took from it. At our trunk or treat, we estimated we had close to 1,000 people that came through at our trunk or treat this past year. We have a new addition to our building. Our church has a positive name in our community. And it's because you've given. It's because you've taken a step of faith. All these things, as Scripture says, can be accredited to your account. But what about missions? We give to our local church, right, to allow our local church to meet the needs in our city. But we also give to missions. And we have seen God do some amazing things through the life of our missionaries. We started supporting a feeding center in Guatemala at Rama Blanca. We'll be taking our third trip to Guatemala this June, June 2nd through the 8th. I'd encourage you, if you've never been on a missions trip, come. Do whatever you can. Rearrange your schedule however you need to. Come on this trip. I promise you it will change your life. Some of you may remember a church planter by the name of Tyler Martin. He was planting a church in Wyoming. We took him on for support. They've already launched their services, have seen several people get saved. Some of you may remember a family in East Asia that we support. We've supported them for a long time. I ran into them in Texas when we were down there. 
I said, how's it been going? And he, they're actually going to be here in a few weeks to give us a report of what's happening there in East Asia. But they told me over the past two months, they've seen 24 people accept Christ. Which is unbelievable. They're in an area that is technically illegal to share the gospel. They, seen, they shared the gospel with one family, and this family said, my village needs to hear about this. And they took it back to the village and have seen 24 people in their village get saved. It's the Oryx, missionaries in Wales who've seen six baptized just in the month of December. It's Max and Jennifer Kennedy. Some of you may remember Max and Jennifer Kennedy. They're in Nicaragua. They've seen the youth ministry there in Nicaragua jump to over 32 each and every week. It's Mana Worldwide, organization we support, Andrew and Angie and Bruce and Pam, most of you know about Mana. They have over 200 projects, which includes orphanages, feeding centers, schools, over 200 projects in 44 countries. When we give to missions, that's what we get involved in. That's where your missions money goes. We get to have a part. Some of you will never step foot in East Asia. But because you give faithfully, there's a couple that live in East Asia and that is doing everything they can to share the gospel. Some of you may never go to Wales. But because you give, the Oryx have been able to start a church and to see people saved, and to see people baptized. That's why we give. We are able to get involved in what God is doing. We're able to get involved in the work of the church. A few next steps. Number one, set a given goal. We set goals every year. I would encourage you to set a given goal this year. A couple ways. One, start somewhere. If you have never given before, can I just encourage you to start somewhere? Remember what Paul said? Each of you should decide in his own heart what you should give. Just start somewhere. If for you starting somewhere is $10 a week, start somewhere. Just start somewhere. Maybe you've given, and you've given sporadically, you've given periodically. Maybe your next step would be what I call a three-month tithe challenge. What this is, is you committing to tithe for three months. You saying, God, I will tithe for three months. And you can even say this, God, that's all I'm giving you right now. God, I will tithe for three months. Remember what God said to Malachi? Test me in this. Test me and see if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven and give you so much more that you won't even have room to store it. So it says, take a three-month tithe challenge. Give your actual tithe for three months and see what the Lord will do. I'll even go as far as this. If God doesn't bless you in some way, you can stop giving after the three months. Just stop giving. If God doesn't bless you in some way, just stop. Because I know this, if you take that challenge, God will bless and God will supply. Maybe you're already tithing. You're, you are a committed, giving, tithing individual. Maybe your goal this year would be to increase your giving. Maybe you said, you know what, God? I have tithed and you have provided for me each and every step of the way. God, 
I want to give a little bit more this year. Set a given goal. Would you bow your heads with me?